we're going to hear from Pastor Corey Turner. Oh my gosh. It's been magnificent having him here with us. And yes, his church is on fire at Numa Church in Melbourne. But I feel that, and I sense that he's just got a spirit of bigness in him. And whenever he you know, delivers the word or prays, it just comes out and just pours out over us. Expect that. Get big. Get big on the inside. So right now, I want you to give him a big hand as he comes to the stage. Yeah. Come on, let's give Jesus a mighty shout of praise right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want to invite you, go get your seat. Team, you can go grab a seat. Thank you so much. I want you to go with me to Genesis 35. The end of my message, I really feel led to lay hands and pray over people who feel called to full-time ministry. Now, how many of you know every believer is called to full-time ministry? Three people came into agreement with that. Every single believer in this room is whether you're a baker, a carpenter, or a candlestick maker, you, you, you are called to full-time ministry. It's not the person up the front with the microphone or that alone is called, but there are some people that have this desire, this call, and maybe even reluctantly you've run away from it, but you have this call upon your life that you've not been fully released into in, in your spirit. And there's a time and a season, but I felt the Lord say, I want you to lay hands upon people in this house because this house is, is going to be a house not just of uh, people anointed for business and ministry in the marketplace, but actually people who uh, are anointed to rise up into fivefold ascension gift ministries, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, because it's on your leaders. And uh, I believe that's going to be reproduced. Uh, Genesis 35, verse 9 to 15. The Bible says, God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Paddan Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. And the land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you. And I'll give the land to your offspring after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him, and Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone. And he poured out a drink offering on it, and he poured oil on it. And so Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel, which means the house of God. I want to speak to you for a few moments on God encounters. God encounters. What are God encounters? How do we encounter God at a deeper level and in a more powerful way? And how do we actually live in a lifestyle of encounters with God? William Branham was a uh, prominent healing evangelist in the 20th century, and uh, some of you might have heard of him. Uh, he was born in abject poverty in a log cabin. Uh, when he got married, his, he lost his first wife and his child in a flood in the Ohio River in the United States. 
and it really caused him to become hungry for God. And he would spend many weeks and months seeking God in uh, very impoverished conditions. And in 1946, he had a dramatic angelic encounter that marked his life. You cannot encounter the creator of the heavens and earth and remain the same. Something changes. And in 1946, this angelic encounter left a mark on him where his left hand would heat up. And when the anointing of the Spirit of God got on him, his left hand would begin to shake. And in the year after that encounter, 35,000 recorded healings took place as he began to lay hands upon people. His uh, word of knowledge gift had 100% accuracy. And, uh, and, and, and so much so that journalists would turn up to his meetings and they would try and um, trick him and deceive him. And, uh, and, and, and this is recorded in history that three journalists, three reporters showed up and faked illnesses. They faked sicknesses. One faked deafness, the other faked blindness, came up with a, a cane, a walking cane. Another person uh, claimed that they were lame and was wheeled up in a wheelchair. True story. And William Branham got a word of knowledge that there was foul play at work. And uh, he just sensed that there is something going on. And he called each of these uh, reporters up because they came up one after the other, faking their illness. He looked at all three of them and said, beat unto you according to your confession. And all three manifested the symptoms of blindness, deafness, and lameness, could not walk. I want to tell you today, New Testament says, you mess with the anointing. You mess with the Spirit of God. You try and mock it. You, you, you try and buy it. You try and peddle it. It'll bite you. It'll come back to bite you. And it's not that God doesn't love people, but He also is not a fool that will, that will tolerate the spirit of deception and and darkness trying to uh, manipulate and, 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 and undermine and deceive what, what God's uh, power truly is. And there needs to be a holiness and a reverence for the presence of God and the power of God. In 1965, unfortunately, uh, William Branham actually had a real um, terrible demise in his life and ministry. And uh, in 1965, he got killed in a car accident and, and, and um, such was his issue with pride that when they found him uh, and he had died, his head had swelled to twice the size in the car accident because of the pressure uh, of the blood in his body and everything, that the damage to his body. But before he died, his uh, son came to the accident scene and, uh, and uh, William, uh, in his um, critical state, asked his son to lay, grab his hand, William Branham's hand, and put it on his wife who had passed away and died in the car accident. And as soon as William Branham put his hand upon his wife, his wife came back to life and was raised from the dead. And soon after, William Branham breathed his last breath. All of this in his life and ministry came because he got hungry for a God encounter. All it takes is one encounter with God to totally transform your history, your destiny, your future in God. And both the history and, and, and the Bible is filled with ordinary people having extraordinary encounters with God. Now, I've, I've done a lot of study of God encounters both 
in revival and in the Bible. And you can sort of group these into about five categories. The first category of encounter is uh, visitation encounters, where literally you'll read the angel of the Lord being the person of Jesus in the Old Testament actually appears to people. We read about this uh, with Moses in the form of a burning bush. And the flame uh, and the presence of God appears to Moses and uh, begins to speak to him. And the, the, the bush is not burned or is not consumed, but the bush is on fire. We read about, secondly, angelic encounters. This is where uh, Mary, the soon-to-be mother of Jesus, was visited by the angel Gabriel and was told that she would be with child from the Holy Spirit. Uh, another encounter is warfare encounters. This is when we're in spiritual warfare. And when Elisha and his servant was surrounded by the enemies of Israel, uh, you, you, you will see that Elisha the prophet asked, and, and because the servant was freaking out, we're going to get killed. We're surrounded by the enemies of Israel. And Elisha the prophet asked that the Spirit of God would open the eyes of his servant to see the angelic hosts that were around them and that there were more with them than there were those against them. And then we see of intercession encounters. Intercession encounters is when Daniel the prophet in Babylon prayed and fasted 21 days for a supernatural breakthrough, uh, both for his people and for uh, uh, himself in uh, Babylon at that time. And it took 21 days of intercession, prayer and fasting before the angel uh, Michael actually showed up and visited him and said, from the first day you started praying, I was sent, but I've been battling the Prince of Persia in talking in the spirit realm. Then we read about prophetic encounters. Prophetic encounters is Things like in the Old Testament, Joseph, he, he dreamed of influence over his family. He dreamed of influence over his household, his brothers, his parents. And, and he went through the absolute opposite of the prophetic word and dream that was given to him. Sometimes when you receive a prophetic word, have you discovered the very opposite takes place? And, and you hear a word like, God's going to bless you financially, this and that. And the next thing, there is this almighty attack of bills and issues and all sorts of things. It often happens. And so you're not to be shaken by the circumstance, but you are to hold fast to the prophetic word. Paul said you are to wage, Paul said to Timothy, you are to wage a good warfare by the prophecies previously made about you. And I've had people come up to me five years after I gave them a prophetic word and said, you know, when you gave me that word, I thought you were smoking crack. There is just no way that that was a word from God. And based upon my circumstances, based upon this, and, but, but I'm here to tell you that five years later, two years later, three years later, that word has come to pass. There is now about 37 couples around the world that were barren, were unable to have children, that the word of the Lord came to them, be fruitful and multiply as we prophesied over them and prayed for a restoration of their body. And they were able to conceive and have children. And I go all over the world, seriously. And I know it's happened in this house and I know it's happened in other churches, but, um, and they will bring up their, their precious baby and say, this baby came out of a God encounter. And, and I said, well, there are a few other things that happened, but yes, a God encounter. And, uh, and, and so you just need to know that God encounters change the entire trajectory of your life. In Genesis 35, we read of Jacob's encounter 
with God. And there are things that you and I can learn about God encounters that can actually stir our hunger and appetite. Because to be honest with you, as hungry as we are here tonight, if it only stops here, we've missed the whole point of this weekend. Nights of fire are not just about the nights of fire. Nights of fire are about you being on fire with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And you take this fire to your workplace. You take it to your school. You take it to your university. You take it into your business. And you see the fire of God break out wherever you go. Uh, It doesn't matter whether one or two or three or five of you find this challenging or, 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 or find it almost like a, a bit of, you know, um, laughing about it because you need to know that this isn't theory to me. This isn't theory to some people in this room. This isn't theory. This isn't something that we've just read in a book. Right now, our church is experiencing the, one, the greatest outpouring I've seen in my lifetime. Literally, over 300 miracles recorded. We've seen seven cancer patients totally healed in Jesus' name, confirmed with scans. Tumors the size of a golf ball disappear off people's necks. We've seen people, a guy with a left blind eye, no optic nerve. He had eye surgery where his eyes were pulled out of his head and they actually had to build all sorts of flesh around his eyeball to keep his eyeball in the socket completely and totally creative miracle healed his eyes open in Chinatown we've seen people with fractured patellas healed walk in with a crutch leave it at the altar and literally hop skip and jump all the way out the back door we've seen people walk in with walking canes walk out totally healed and I'm telling you if that's only what's happened over the last several weeks what is God going to do in this house and in your life in the coming months. So Jacob, what can we learn from Jacob's encounter with God? There's a few things and then we're going to go and uh, eat some good food. God encounters impart blessing to your life. A lot of people want the blessing of God, but they're not prepared to posture themselves for a God encounter. What does the Bible say in verse 9? It says, God appeared to Jacob Again, everybody say again, which tells me this wasn't the first time that Jacob had an encounter with God. This tells me that this actually is his third encounter with God appearing to him and meeting with him. And so he didn't get comfortable with the first encounter. He actually got stirred and got hungry and had an appetite for another encounter. What does the Bible say in 2 Corinthians 3.18? We are transformed from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. Praise God for when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit at six years of age. Praise God. I was in my mum and dad's church in Kalgoorlie, Western Australia, a mining town. There was about 30 people in the church. And dad preached a message one Sunday night. And a man of God from the local assemblies of God came over to me as I knelt at the altar. And he laid hands upon my head and prophesied over me. And this bubbling up, like this welling up of water in like a a, a jug, it just began to rise up in my spirit. And at six years of age, I began to roar in a heavenly 
heavenly language. And when you're six, it's either real or it's real. You don't know to fake it. You don't know how to logicalize it out if there is such a word. All you know is you're either having an encounter with God or you're not. And so the same principle applies. Jesus said, unless you become like a little child, you won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. Unless we assume this childlike posture, one of the things is we get so complacent, we get so comfortable with a good encounter, we miss the next great encounter that God actually wants to bring into our lives. And many believers never move from good relationship with God to a great relationship with God because they get complacent, they get comfortable. As I said the other night, many believers would rather be an expert in the old thing than a novice in the new thing. Many would love to know and have control and box God up and say, this is who God is and this is it. And yet, who are you to tell the creator of the heavens and the earth how he can move and what he can do? That is the height of arrogance. (laughs) Ephesians 1 tells us that there are blessings to those who are born of the Spirit of God. You didn't do anything to earn it, but by faith, you're a child of God. And the Bible says that you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, right? So if you don't know what your blessings are, get out Ephesians 1 tonight before you go to bed and tomorrow morning, open it up. And every time it speaks of the blessing that you have, insert your name in there. And that's what you have simply because you are a child of God. But here's the deal. You didn't do anything to earn that. You just got that by faith and the finished work on the cross. But there is a blessing that you can receive that can only come from a God encounter. What you need from God, He will bring to you. What you want from God, you've got to go and get yourself. Oh, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Lord, let this word go deep into someone's heart tonight. Because if there's only one person that walks out of this place tonight, so hungry, so thirsty for God, all God needs is one person. Every revival in history started with one hungry soul, with one hungry person. You have as much of God today as you wanted Him yesterday. You'll have as much of God tomorrow as you want Him today. And there is a direct correlation between God's favor and a God encounter. What, what did the angel Gabriel say when he visited Mary? He said, O oh, highly favored one of the Lord. What happened when Mary was with child and Mary went and visited Elizabeth? The Bible says that the child, John the Baptist, in Elizabeth's womb, leapt for joy. And what did she say to Mary? Blessed is the fruit of your womb. There is this direct correlation between your encounters with God and the increase of blessing on your life. I can honestly say to you, hand over heart, in, in just humble confidence that what has taken place over the last several months in my life, I feel different. I feel different when when. Tim Hall imparted his anointing on my life in the back of a a stadium in Perth when we were doing a conference together. I felt different. When when we had this mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Super Bowl Sunday, August 28, that night I went to bed a different person. When we had an encounter with God at Bethel Church on the Sunday night, 
I got home that night and the Lord woke me up. I actually got some sleep that night and God woke me up at 3 a.m. and I was bright, absolutely awake. And the Lord said, because um, a mantle from the leader there had been imparted to my life. And the Lord woke me up and he said, what I've given you tonight is not a toy to play with. You better honor this. You better, you better carry it with, with humility and honor and a sense of reverence. When, when we got received ministry, impartation, laying on the hands of Bonnie Bray House where William Seymour got baptized in the Holy Spirit and I uncontrollably shook for an hour and sobbed. That night, as we're getting ready to hop on that, I got on that plane a different person. I want to tell you, a God encounter is, he is something worth hungering for. It's worth paying a price for. But if you want something great in God, you've got to go after it. What are you willing to give up this week? How many hours are you willing to seek God? There's no formula of how many hours. It's just how hungry are you? So God encounters impart blessing to your life. Not only that, but God encounters transform your identity. What did God say to Jacob in verse 10? No longer shall your name be called Jacob, cheater, supplanter, but your name shall be called Israel. He who strives and he who contends with God. You see, all throughout the Bible, God would come and rename people. He'd change Abram's name, exalted father, to Abraham, father of many nations. Sarai to Sarah. Simon the reed to Peter the rock. Saul the persecutor to Paul the apostle. All throughout the Bible, God would come. What is it? Because when you encounter God, you change. You get a glimpse of how God sees you. And some of us have, have, have defaulted to living a life based upon the perception and, and the declaration of our family of origin. And so you might be the CEO of a company, but every time you go home, you're still little Joey. And, and you've got to conform to the, the box that your family culture has put you in. You've got to conform to the default, to the brokenness, to the issues maybe that you grew up with. But when you have an encounter with God, He transforms your identity. I'm getting blessed just by preaching this right now. He transforms your heart. He transforms something in you. He gives you a glimpse of who you are. And you've got to start seeing yourself as God sees you, not according to the brokenness of your past, not according to what the culture says, what the media says, what the world says, but what God says about you. You can't afford to have a thought in your head about you that God doesn't have in His head about you. That's why the miracle mindset last night is so critical to have a renewal of your thinking because unless you have a renewal of your thinking about your identity and about the kingdom that you and I belong to, we will not be able to live in alignment with the new creation identity and reality that God has called us to. I ran, I, I was an intern and, and people recognized a gift in me before I saw it in me because I didn't have a revelation that I was a son of my, of my father and, and is in my heavenly father and that I was called and I was afraid. You wouldn't think that looking at it now, but I was afraid as Teresa shared her story about years ago and, and the wrestle that she had. You look at her now, she's an absolute firecracker and, and no fear going after it. What's that about? And encounter with God. 
I used to organize other guest speakers to take my place. And, and I was afraid until I had an encounter with God in the police academy where I gave a speech. And at the end of the speech, I was ready to take up a salvation altar call. I see that hand. I see that hand. And, and the, the lecturer looked at me and said, you, you shouldn't be in the police force. What are you doing in the police force? I'm like, no, I'm trying to run away from the call of God. She said, you should be like, like a minister or something. And in that moment, something clicked in my heart. And I realized I can, I can run to the ends of the earth. But I tell you, when God called you, when, and you need to know God loves you way more than you think he loves you. He knows what's best for you. But when you have an encounter with God, it transforms your perception. It transforms your awareness. It transforms your identity. And, and, and the Bible says when Samuel anointed Saul to be king, when Saul turned away, the Bible says he turned away a different man. He turned away a different person. What, what did God say to Gideon when he was hiding in the winepress in fear of the Midianites? Oh, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. That dude was doing nothing that looked courageous. But the Lord looked at him and said, I've been watching you and you're a mighty man of valor. You will never rise up into the fullness of what God is wanting to do through you with a negative self-perception of who you think you are or what you think you're capable of. You've got to dare to believe that you are who God says you are. You're a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. You're a son of the most high God. Your king is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. When you walk into a business, when you walk into a restaurant, when you walk into local government, you walk in as an ambassador with spiritual authority, you have the mind of Christ. You can call those things that are not as if they already were. And people look at that and say, that's arrogance. No, it's faith. It's not. It's not pride. It's absolute humble dependence on who our God is. But those who know their God shall be strong and do mighty exploits in Jesus' name. So God encounters in part blessing. God encounters transform your identity. God encounters multiply your fruitfulness. What does the Bible say in verse 11 and 12? God introduces himself. I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. And he says to Jacob, be fruitful and multiply. Anybody ever read that in the Bible before? Maybe in like Genesis 1 and 2? Be fruitful and multiply. When you have an encounter with God, he brings us back to our original mandate. He brings you back to what ultimately you were designed for. So if you have not seen fruitfulness, expansion, multiplication in your life, in your ministry or your business, I'm telling you tonight, you need to have an encounter with El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. You're made in the image of God. You're made in the likeness of God. You are designed to be fruitful and to multiply. And what does God say to Jacob? He gives him four promises. He says, fruitfulness. He says, kings and nations shall come from you. What's that? Influence. He says, land. I'm going to give this land. What's that? Provision. This weekend, land has been prophesied. I'm telling, I could tell you story after story of what happens after a word like that comes. And I'm contending, and I'm told that you've received that word many times now. So be it established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. 
So maybe it's time. Maybe it's time. I call those things that are not as if they already were. I thank you for keys to properties. I thank you for land. I thank you for schools. I thank you for breakthrough. I thank you for finance. I thank you for resource in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe it, let's praise God right now. Jesus, that, I felt that, man. I'm telling you, something is about to break out. Something is about to break out. I loose it. I release it. I release it over you right now in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, grab a seat for a moment. I, I, I'm telling you, you should expect, seriously, I'd be expecting the next seven days. And then the next seven days after that, this could be the best Christmas of your life. Seriously. Why have, you, why have we lowered our faith? Why have we lowered our expectation? Why can't we see blind eyes open in the sunny coast? Why can't we see people get up out of wheelchairs? Who, who taught you that? Who told you that wasn't possible? Who told you that, that you can't uh, do the works of Jesus? Jesus said, greater works than these will you do. Who told you that, that, that you, you know, just keep persevering. You may, you may not see your family come to the Lord. I'm telling you, we prayed for over 20 years for my sister, who's a criminal, was a part of major underworld uh, uh, in an, a, a billion dollar ice ring. Police chases, armed robberies, crazy stuff. She attends our church every week now. She's like a millimeter to giving her heart to the Lord. She, 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 she loves the presence of God. She's raising her kids in the house. But for over 20 years, about 25 years, for 25 years, I had one conversation with her for one hour. And early this year, turned up to an older call and, and is there every week. Who told you that you can't see your whole household saved? Who told you? I just feel a holy boldness, seriously. Some of you have got to stop accepting the lies of the enemy. You've got to stop justifying a lack of power. A powerless church presents to the world an inferior view of who God is. But a powerful church authentically represents who God is in the world. So God encounters multiply your fruitfulness, but God encounters also define your life permanently. And this is what happened in Jacob's life. The Bible says in verse 14 that Jacob set up a pillar of stone and he offered up worship. He poured oil on it. There was this permanence about this encounter. Jacob's God encounter marked him for life. His first encounter, if you remember, was a dream that he had. He left his father's household. He's in the land of Canaan, the promised land. And he has a dream of angels ascending and descending. He said, this is none other than the gate of heaven. This is Bethel, the house of God. And he was marked with a dream. When you have an encounter with God, dreams and visions will begin to mark your life. Then he had another encounter years, decades later, where he wrestled with God in the middle of the night. Sometimes a God encounter will come easily, like in the form of a dream or a vision. Other times you've got to wrestle with him. You've got to contend. And some of you may be in a wrestle with God over your healing, a wrestle with God over a marriage or an issue in your life. And I want to say, hold on. What did Jacob say? I will not let you go unless you bless me. Hold on, hold on. 
I was hearing from your pastors and different leaders about holding on, believing for a miracle in their lives and healing in body. You've got to hold on. God is not a man that he should lie. He, 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 he longs to heal. He longs to restore. And so he was marked with a limp from that day. He was physically marked from that day because you, you may leave permanently marked from your encounter, but it'll be the most beautiful thing that you've ever been marked with in your life. And then in this third encounter, he sets up a pillar, a stone, and he honors God, a memorial. I really believe that every fresh revelation from God requires a fresh consecration from us. When you receive a fresh revelation, there is a requirement for a new consecration. What's consecration? It means to be set apart. This weekend, the Lord has spoken. This weekend, the Lord has declared things over you. This weekend, God has moved. How are you going to set yourself apart with what God has imprinted upon your life this weekend? You see, I've discovered that God encounters ruin you for anything less. You can't go back to church as usual. You can't go back to business as usual. You know, in the middle of our 12-hour outpouring on August 28th, as I saw over a 1,000 people in that night service just completely swept up in the presence of God, and there was no music for an hour and a half, deliverance, shouting, prayers, weeping, intercession, baptisms in the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're there and we, no, I, I, we lost complete control, total control. No one was in control except the Holy Spirit. It was glorious, right? And as we're all there and I look out and Stacey, a prophet, comes over, literally crawls over to me. This, that's, that's how heavy the presence of God was and just says, we can't go back. We're ruined for everything else. And I'm like, I'm going to get kicked out of the ACC. I'm like, I'll come to C3 and I'll get kicked out, you know. And, and, and I was just like, I can't go back. When you taste and see how good God is, when you, when you encounter him, you can't go back. And, and, and the enemy will try and come in the next seven days, 14 days and say, did that really happen? Did God really say that? Did that really happen? Did that really occur? I'm not going back. I'm leaving those things behind and I'm straining forward to what lies ahead. You see, there can be no revival without a God encounter. You, you, you can't will it in. You can't wish for it. You have to have an encounter. And as we close this night and we open up the altars in a moment and we're just going to pray for some people, there are some things that you and I can do practically out of tonight that can really post you in a lifestyle of encounters. One of those things is pray until something happens. I've been praying from that day that I was six years old, whether I've used that exact language or not, I've been praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit en masse corporately, not just my life, but I'm telling you, I'm praying and believing for the entire nation to be swept up in revival. I, 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 am, not, I, am, I, I am going to be absolutely relentless until I see that what God is doing in my life and in our ministry breaks out across the entire nation. And you've got to pray until something happens. Some of us pray for five minutes and, why, and wonder why nothing's going on. 
Some of us pray and fast for one day. Some of us pray and fast for 21 days. Awesome, great. But will you pray until something happens? What else can you do? You worship while you wait. What is that? That's about intimacy. There can be no God encounter without intimacy. And as I said this morning, if, if you've only got an hour, to day, an hour a day to meet with God, spend a good 45, 50 minutes worshiping and then spend the last few minutes petitioning and be totally caught up in intimacy because David was the worshiper. He was a man after God's own heart and God said, I'll not hold anything back from you. You pray until something happens. You worship while you wait. What else do you do? You steward the measure of faith that God has given to you. If you only have faith to believe for headaches to disappear from people's bodies, steward that well. If you've only got faith to maybe offer up a word of encouragement to someone and you want to grow in the prophetic, steward that well. And what you steward will increase. And then the last thing I would say to you, how do you posture yourself for a God encounter? You get under the spout where the glory comes out. It's an old school Pentecostal saying, for honor the anointing on someone else's life and receive an impartation from it. You get under the spout where the glory comes out and you honor it. I, 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 I chase people down. I chase people down. I say, lay hands upon me. I honor the grace in your life. I honor the anointing. I tell you, every single one of you should chase at, at, at one altar call over the next few months, you should chase your pastors down at least once in your lifetime and ask for the impartation that's on their lives. Seriously, seriously. If you would honor the anointing and grace upon the leaders of this house, I'm telling you what will come on your life will totally change your life. And I know you do, but I'm just saying, can I encourage you to stay hungry for that? Come on, why don't we stand together? Team, come.